praise the Lord. Man, I got to tell you, you know, I, my heart stirred this morning listening to y'all lead us in worship. Thank y'all. Because um, sometimes I don't, I'm going to be transparent with you. A lot of times, I know it's just, this sounds unbelievable, but I'm trying to worship and I'm always trying to think about how to present the message. You know, like sometimes I tell you all, look, don't, don't tell me anything on Sunday because even if I look you in the eye and I say yes, I'm probably going to forget um, because I'm so focused on trying to make sure that I don't embarrass the Lord, embarrass myself, and hopefully I don't embarrass the Lord. Just it, it, the only one that gets embarrassed may be me sometimes. Maybe I embarrass you. I don't know. But this morning, I want you to know something. I feel like, I'm telling you, I'm, my heart sometimes is a little hard. Can I be honest? And what was going on this morning, the Lord was just peeling back some layers. Praise the Lord, man. I feel like King David. You remember that? Um, King David. You remember the story? And the ark was coming back into Jerusalem. They went and got the ark. The presence of God had been away from his people. And when the presence of God came back, David was just leading the parade. And you remember he stripped down to his underwear and danced before the Lord. I know it sounds very risque this morning, but it's in the Bible, okay? It's in the Bible. And so his wife saw him doing that, right? And she was disgusted because he was the king of Israel, but he's not the king, right? There's only one king, and that's God. And so in his joy, his wife was disgusted and she missed out on the opportunity to be naked before the Lord, bare. Not putting up any false front. Isn't that what we do sometimes? I always try to think about it. This isn't the message, by the way. This is not even anywhere close. And I don't even know if I remember what I was supposed to say now. But I will tell you this, that when we come to church sometimes, even me, I come in, I'm like, what does a pastor look like? Praise the Lord for that worship. You know, that's the way it's going to be when we get to heaven. We're not going to be carrying on any role playing. We're going to be with the Lord, and we're going to be peeled back in our joy. Anything that was hard will be left behind, and we're going to be known by him and each other in a much greater way. Thank the Lord. Y'all did great. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, and we are still there. And I'm talking to you this morning to remind you, it's somewhat intentional, but I want to remind you that each Christian has a mission. Now, very often we talk about how the church has a mission, and if you think about it, well, Christians make up the church, don't they? So each Christian has a mission, and it's going to be just like the mission of the church. In fact, I, I couldn't sleep the other night. I, I watched a, a documentary. I, I don't know if you all know, but something terrible happened yesterday to me. Um, Clemson got beat. And so I've been struggling a bit with that. We've got to go put some drywall compound back in the holes where I kicked off. I'm kidding. Um, but um, anyway, so college football seems like it's over. But I'm going to talk about, Lord forgive me, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. And so I was watching a documentary of those guys, and there's a reason why they're on top. And one of the things that they say that is very true, especially in athletics, is this, 
do your job. And that's what the key is. So what the idea is, if each person does their job, then the team benefits, don't they? I mean, when you think about it, and this isn't about Clemson football at all, by the way, but when you think about it, it doesn't even matter if the opposing team knows your play that you're going to run, because if the people on your team do, do their job, if, they, if the job is done right, then what's going to happen is the play goes off whether they knew it was coming or not. And so uh, it, it really falls in line with this. Each Christian has a mission. Now, I think a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing with you that when I worked at the County Highway Department in Indiana, I think I shared with you all that I had this thought. I could become a better person if the Lord would get me out of that job and get me a new job. I, I, if y'all remember that. And one of the things that I thought to myself was, well, the reason that I have to get out of this job is because these guys are holding me down, right? These guys are keeping me down. I'm always trying to, you know, be, you know, get these guys to like me and stuff. I, I recognized that. And then I also understood that we were having way too much fun and there was no way I was going to be able to stop being the person that I was, at least from the perspective I was looking at it. So I felt like the Lord had to get me another job, and then that way I could be good, right? Well, and then I told you, he got me another job. And guess what? I didn't change. And, you know, what was interesting is that in that job, I was doing a good job. I was working hard. The bosses liked me. And then they would invite me onto the boat sometimes. I'd go onto their boat, hang out with them, and then we would have fun, and I could tell these jokes. They liked my sense of humor, and I'd just start rattling stuff off. But I don't know if I told you this part, but when I started reading the Bible, I remember leading someone to the Lord. I, I, was, I preached to this poor guy for probably three days. He was stuck there stacking books with me, the poor guy. And I mean, I was, and, and forgive me, but this is just me being raw, this is what was happening. I was probably talking about Jesus while using language, right? So I'm preaching to this guy, and I remember his name. I'll never forget it. It was Terry. I said, Terry, would you like to receive Jesus Christ? Terry said, yes. I wasn't expecting that because I didn't even know how to lead him to the Lord. So I had to go on this break. I had to go and make a phone call. I asked my friend, hey, I just asked this guy if he wanted to get saved. And he said, yes, I don't know what to do. So my friend tried to explain to me about what to do. Um, I, I walked back thinking, wow, I've never prayed to anybody but myself, and especially in front of anybody. So I went back and I started praying. Well, I couldn't quite get it going because everybody was watching me. It was so difficult. My friend who had just gotten in trouble by his pastor because he was praying over offering at his church. His pastor told him his prayers were too long. He said, I can't help it. I'm praying from the Spirit. And so I found out why the pastor was upset with him because he came down and started to pray because he saw that I wasn't able to. And he went into a long prayer. And everybody's still working around us. They're all still working. And I remember looking out of the corner of my eye, people on, on the uh, fork trucks, what we call it, where they pick up the pallets, you all know, be driving by, they'd be looking at me, and this was not the same person that they actually had come to, I guess, love. 
They saw me in a different way, and it was so hard on me. You know, obviously, it wouldn't have been so much easier had the Lord allowed me to get away from that situation so that I could be different around people who don't know me. And I'll never forget my boss, he just looked over at me and went like this to me, making fun of me. It was a very difficult thing. But what I noticed when I was reading scripture is that apparently people need to know what I'm reading. Somehow instinctively I knew that I had to tell people about Jesus Christ. And I would say that this was God making sure that I was on some type of a mission. Now here's the crazy thing, I told you, I used the language and all this stuff and it was just so raw and probably other pastors and maybe other Christians would have said, there's no way this man is speaking for the Lord because he's so brash and he uses profanity, right? We would, we would say, well, you're probably right, but the Lord was using me. What's I tell you about God? He's able to use people, isn't he? He's able to use people who aren't trained um, in a particular way. He's able to use people who don't get things quite right. He's able to use people that we don't even expect should be used. I wouldn't have fit the poster, uh, uh, picture on the poster of someone who's following Jesus Christ in that moment. Was I doing his will? Absolutely. Was I doing it perfectly? No. You know, this is an important thing because we forget it sometimes. We've gotten to a place, the church has done a great job of teaching people about the mission of the church. And the church does have a mission, but very often, instead of trying to be on that mission as individuals, we leave it up to the church. Have you ever noticed that? We expect the church to do everything, and somehow we kind of just blend in in the church, and then we go home, and then we don't worry about anything else. But God has each member of the church on a mission. And so if you remember a couple weeks ago, and we've been going through 1 Corinthians for quite a while, but if you remember some of the issues of this church, do you remember when we first started reading this book, Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, um, there is a report from Chloe's household. And you remember I said they were being tattled on. But apparently somebody had gone to the church in Corinth and they observed what was going on inside the church and they came back and told Paul, they said, wow, what's going on is not right. There's great division in that church. There's a lot of sexual immorality, Paul. There's a lot of things going on that aren't quite right. And in fact, not only are these things going on, Paul, but there's even people suing each other in public in this church. And so we talked about that because Paul wrote that letter. He said, look, this stuff isn't right. We don't do this in God's kingdom. We don't do this to each other. We aren't divisive because we are united through Jesus Christ. We don't practice sexual immorality because we are obeying the commands of the Lord. We want to follow Christ, and we sure don't run each other over in the face of the public, do we? And so that would be the first part of the letter. Two weeks ago I said, now he's transitioning to where the Corinthian church was asking some questions. And within these questions they were asking about marriage. Because all through this, We've been learning some things 
that the day of the Lord is near. And since the day of the Lord is near, the, a lot of the people inside the church were acting differently. What they were doing is they were actually um, abstaining from their duties in the marital context, if you understand what I'm saying. They were no longer participating in those duties because they thought that they were super spiritual and besides the, the world, the end was near and they needed to be focused and be seen as very spiritual above that kind of thing. Then you probably had some others who thought, well, because the day of the Lord is near and because God saves our souls, he doesn't care about our physical bodies, which we've already said is incorrect. He cares about the whole of us. They would say, well, we, just, we can do what we want because our bodies, just like everything else, will be burned up when the day of the Lord comes. He is only saving our soul, and that's the only part. So we can actually practice sexual immorality and cheat on our spouses. So it was a mess at Corinth, and Paul's addressing it. But I wanna show you something beyond just that, and I'm going to reference this because I want you to see some things that each Christian has a, a mission. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm going to read right after where I left off where Paul was teaching us about marriage. And I want you to notice how the situation in the home changes a little bit. So here's what it says, and I'm gonna read verse 17 to 24, and it says this. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. Just as God has called them, this is the rule I lay down in all the churches. He's an apostle, and he's telling everyone. This is for all of us. Was the man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was the man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person ha ha as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. So this is an interesting piece right here, right after the marriage. First thing I want you to see this morning is this. Each Christian has a mission to live like Christ in the situation you are in. So what we're saying, now I'm just gonna jog your memory a little bit. So Paul said something earlier in this letter, and he said, listen, flee from sexual immorality, um, do not associate with those who are committing adultery and all these other sexual sins, okay? Now, hear me out. He's talking to the church. What he's saying is, as a church, we don't tolerate that because those are the things that are going to cause people to miss heaven. 
We all get this, right? Those are the things that, we are, that are going to cause people to miss heaven. So as the church, we don't say, oh, don't worry about it, because you should be worried about it. But what he says is, what he says is this, but don't try to flee from the world. Do you remember this? Because those who aren't followers of Jesus Christ should not be expected to be doing the things that Jesus tells them to do. When I was studying for ministry in Indiana, I may have told you this in the past, there was a church camp in Indiana. And this church camp, it was so funny because what they did is they took this passage and they said, we can't associate with people who are living worldly. They didn't understand what God was saying to them was that you're not to live worldly as a follower of Jesus Christ and tolerate it as a group. They thought that it meant that we were supposed to hide from the world. So what they did is they put this church camp way out in the middle of nowhere because they were trying to hide from sin. And the problem with that is, and here's the punchline, I'll tell you this, the community grew in and encompassed the whole church camp, so they were, they were there anyway. God still had his way. What they forgot is that each Christian has a mission. So you remember what I said, um, wherever we are, and we were found by Jesus Christ, we came into a relationship with him, we don't try to avoid people who don't live for the Lord because what God is trying to do, he's trying to have us in a situation intentionally, and I would, I, I'm gonna add to it just to help you to understand it, on purpose, so that you can be someone that they can see whose life is being changed. You remember when I was at the job, though, I said, I can't do, I can't follow the Lord because these people are influencing me to do things that I shouldn't do. Where in fact, what God was wanting to do is he was wanting to use me in the situation that I was in to influence them. This is how it works. Because each one of us has a mission. The Lord is trying to bring his kingdom. Remember the prayer we just prayed together? The prayer of God's kingdom, this is how we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We aren't trying to get out of the world, we're trying to bring God's kingdom into the world. And so then what's happening is when I'm living like a believer, like Jesus Christ would in the situation I'm in, I am now redeeming those who are around me possibly. Because the goal then is I am supposed to influence them. They are supposed to get a taste of heaven by watching me serve the Lord. Have you ever wondered why you don't see many supernatural things these days? Because the first supernatural thing that needs to happen is God's people need to be transformed in the situation they are in so that the situation or the environment they are in is beginning to be transformed. That's why we do this. That's why God has you there. So Paul says, don't try to get out of your situation. Remember, he also wrote a letter called Philemon. You remember this, some of you? In the New Testament, it's a short letter. And in that letter, he's talking about this slave who fled from his situation. He came to Paul. You know what Paul did? He sent him back. 
Now, to the person who doesn't know any better, you might say, well, he must be endorsing slavery. No, no, no. You see what he's doing. He wants this person who is actually freed in the Lord to go back and influence the situation they are in. Hey, you know what? I wonder if that's why this is coming right after the marriage discussion. I wonder if this is what Paul is trying to solidify that if you're in a difficult situation, especially maybe within the church you attend or within the marriage context, maybe you're there on purpose because if you are allowing God's kingdom to break into the situation you're in, God is going to have a chance to redeem that. Each Christian has a mission. Let's look at the next thing I want you to see. Each Christian has a mission to keep God's commands even when it's most difficult. So it's an interesting thing. When I left Donnelly's, the book factory, um, I, I, I took another job, and because I was a Christian, they let me go. I've told you this in the past. That was a very humbling experience. I don't know if anybody's ever lost a job before, but if you ever lose a job, you lose your identity. It's, an, it's a very embarrassing thing. There, to me, at least where I'm from, this was like shameful in the, in the place where I was from. You, everybody worked. You, you don't understand what I'm saying. Everybody works. This is what we do. And sometimes I even say, you know, work, when we work, it's a gift from God, believe it or not, because it gives us purpose. It, 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 it's something that we long to do. Um, and so having said that, I, I went about a month and a half, two months without a job. Well, I got another job. And when I got that job, everything went well. They knew I was a follower of Christ because I was very into my church. I was part-time youth pastor. I was always involved. I was on Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning. You all get the, get the idea. I would even go on visitation at night, and they would ask me questions about the Lord. And what I noticed was that there was a time where, because I had that job and they knew that I was a follower of Christ, my boss started taking advantage of me. I don't know if this is something anybody else ever deals with, but I can tell you the fact that they knew that I was limited in how I respond to things because of Jesus emboldened them to treat me terribly. So I remember coming home, and I still have a, a tough time with this because I'm still, you know, it's gonna take a lifetime for the Lord to get me right. Y'all know that, right? Y'all get that. I still struggle with this because I, I, I would come home and I would tell my wife, if it wasn't for me obeying the Lord, I would crown him one, right? If it wasn't for the Lord, I would do what I actually want to do, which is good and bad when you say it like that, isn't it? It's good that you're responding and refraining, but it's also bad that that's actually what you want to do. So every day I would think, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. When he starts in, I'm going to threaten him when I'd be home. Then every morning I would get up and I would, out of a habit, I'd start to pray. 
Because the Lord says, pray for your enemies, doesn't he? And so I'd start to pray, and then I would start thinking, well, today's going to be a better day because I'm going to keep God's commands. I'm going to just, I'm going to get my mind right. I'm going to keep his commands. But the problem is, it's so hard, isn't it? So the more I prayed for this man, the more he verbally abused me. Christians, I'm going to tell you something this morning. I don't know what situation you might be in. And yes, somebody probably is taking advantage of you, but I want you to know something. You're in that situation on purpose. You have a mission. And in that mission, you are the one who is keeping God's commands. Now, in the church today, we've gotten away from that because what we've said is, you just have to have the right belief structure and you're going to go to heaven. Well, did you read what Paul said? Now, the King James seems to allude to the same thing. The NIV is interpreting this what seems to be correctly. It says, um, all this other stuff is nothing but what matters is keeping God's commands. And it seems to fit because when we stand before the Lord, I've said this a million times, he's going to say to us, when you did this, this is the reward you're going to get. But when you did that, this is why you're not going to receive the reward you thought you were going to get. Now the reward that I'm paraphrasing is that you're going to miss heaven. You see, if we understand that we're on a mission from Christ, if we understand this, and if we believe in Jesus, then we need to believe what Jesus said. We have to keep his commands. And the time that we have to keep his commands, you know, when I go to a store, it is so easy for me to keep the commands of Christ, right? They don't know me. I just, I'm just walking around with that Christian ease in me, right? I'm walking through the store, but when I have to deal with people consistently, the same people, and they afflict me or cause me great trouble, or vice versa, I have to follow the commands of God, and that's when it's not so easy. Have you ever understood that you're going to be tested like this? Um, you know, the enemy tempts you to not follow, but God allows the temptation because he's testing you to see if you will follow. If each Christian has a mission, then certainly in the mission is to make sure I'm obeying the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Look at the last thing I want you to see. Each Christian has a mission to give yourself to Christ instead of people. Now, this is an interesting concept, too, because in the marriage context, which is ordained by God between a man and a woman, we got that last time, but in the context of the teaching, what God said through Paul is this. If you have an unbelieving spouse, you remember this? And they want to stay with you, you stay, because we Christians... We obey the Lord, don't we? We love him and love our neighbors. And so we don't seek separation. Are you seeing the theme of this? We don't seek separation because we seek unity. That's why the division in the church was crazy, and that's why it's crazy when everybody was practicing sexual immorality and committing adultery. We don't seek 
separation, we seek unity. And then Paul says, but here's the deal. If the unbeliever doesn't want to remain with you, let them go. That's interesting. Now, the only way I can understand this is to remind myself that when Paul says, you've been bought with a price, you are to be in bondage to no one but Jesus. So what he's telling me is that not only am I not in bondage to eternal destruction, right? But I'm not in bondage to sin. We went through this several times. When I receive Christ, I'm being changed inside out. It's a, it's a process. I'm being changed. I'm, I'm no longer going to be the same person. It should be happening right before the people I'm doing life with. But then he goes on and he says, you are not to be in bondage to any mere human beings. Do you know what brings people down in their faith very often? Is that we care more about what people think about us than what Jesus Christ does. Can you believe it? I mean, I've been bought with a price, but yet when I was in those jobs and in those situations, especially when I was asking for a new situation, the reason I was asking was because I was blaming the people and saying they were bringing me down when in fact I was placing myself in bondage to them by being concerned about what they thought about me. So I, because of that concern, I started to take on their tendencies so that they would be pleased with me. You see what's happening here. You see, the thing that we have to understand is that we don't live like the world. We don't care what the world thinks of us. I've already alerted you to what Jesus says. The world hates you because it hated Jesus first. We don't care what the world thinks. We care what Jesus thinks. So I'm in bondage to Jesus Christ. And the irony of this bondage is I'm actually free in Jesus Christ because I'm more concerned about what Jesus Christ thinks and I understand I've been bought at a price. The world didn't go to the cross for me. Jesus Christ went to the cross for me, so I no longer am in bondage to this world. That helps me to be free from worrying about what they think. Now my allegiance is actually with Jesus. So if I'm on a mission, and I understand it, that means that I am to surrender myself to Jesus because the price has been paid. There's a lot of Christians that don't understand this. I come across people on a regular basis who are concerned about obeying the Lord more than, or not enough, I should say, about obeying the Lord because they don't want people to not like them. You're going to have that. That's what's so difficult about being a Christian in the situation you're in. If you're on a mission, you're pleasing God, not those that you actually see around you on a daily basis.
You ever think about what our churches would look like if Christians bought that? We got, a, we got churches now that are afraid to meet together because they're afraid of what the world thinks. I had somebody tell me last night about time is short. They know I'm a preacher, right? That's what, this is what I hear. Time is short. I said, yeah, amen, brother. Where do you go to church at? Don't go anywhere. <clears throat> Why? Well, I'm always busy. I'm working all the time. See, that person's letting that situation that he's in control him. You know what I said? Might be time to reorient your career. Because if you believe that time is short, then when are we going to really start being more concerned about what Jesus thinks than what the world thinks? See what I'm saying? This morning, if you're somebody that's listening to me, you're thinking, I don't know about this guy. You're not the first. Well, I'm going to tell you something this morning. It is like Bill Belichick and Nick Saban said. Each one of us has to do our job. I can't control anything any more than you can. The only thing that we can control is whether or not we follow Christ. If you believe you're on a mission, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to embrace the tough situation you find yourself in and you're going to understand that the spiritual attack you may be under is for, it's not because you're trying to be wore down, it is because the Lord is trying to use you. He wants to use you to lead people to him. I don't know if you like your friends, what's the greatest love you can have for them, but to lead them to Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you're somebody who's thinking, Pastor, you know, I, I just don't know about keeping the commands. I've always been told, just believe. Look, I'm telling y'all right now, you read it for yourself, and let's all hope I'm misunderstanding this. But if, if it's not about keeping commands also, on top of the faith that we have, then why did Paul write this? He could have eliminated two-thirds of this book and said, well, you know, you're doing what you're doing and it's the way it is, but do you believe that Jesus is the way to heaven? And they're all gonna say, absolutely, brother. Then party on. But he didn't say that, did he? There apparently is something to this that if I have the right belief structure inside of me, that my will, remember that prayer we just prayed? My will submits and surrenders to Jesus Christ. If the day of the Lord is still something we should be concerned about, then when are we gonna start? If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ this morning, this is the morning that you do it. Because if you are not following him wholeheartedly or doing your best to follow him, then there's a problem you may be more concerned about what human beings think about you than what Jesus does. And I'm gonna tell you, your friends don't always have your best interest at heart. If you go to YouTube and you wanna see an example of this, there's a video called, hey y'all, watch this. 
And this guy's got his buddies, they're drinking beer, they're having fun, he's got a shock collar on, and he gives the control to his buddy. And I told my son years ago, son, listen to me closely. If your friends are standing behind you and you hear some giggling, you better turn around because they're not, they don't have your best interest in mind. And so they would shock the guy until he fell to his knees. I'm not going to lie, it's funny. Can't help it. But it is a great example. Your friends don't always have your best in mind, but Jesus does. That's why you understand that you've been bought at a price by Jesus Christ. Your friends didn't give your, their lives for you. Jesus did. If our churches, if our believers would get back on the understanding of each Christian has a mission, have you ever thought about the success the church would have in this world? Instead of us dwindling down, we would be building up. I always tell everybody, read this for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. And I still stand behind that. <clears throat> if you're somebody that needs to get away from the love of, that you have for the world, now's the time to denounce it. If you haven't allowed the Lord to reorient your life, to reorder it, let him. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I can pray with you after service or I can pray with you now, but hear me when I say this, you have a mission, ask God to help you to accept it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now, we're so grateful for your word, it's amazing. It's amazing what you teach us, Lord. And when you teach it to us, we know that it is truth. We know that it is right. Father, I pray that if there's anybody within the sound of my voice struggling with anything I've said, Lord, use the Holy Spirit to speak to their heart. Use your word. You teach, Lord. Now, Father, I pray that you use us in the situations we're in Help us, Lord, to redeem those situations through the grace that you've given us so that it would come through us out to others. Help us, Lord. Father, I pray that you keep us safe. Go with us now and bring us back in safely Wednesday and Sunday. For it's in Jesus' name, God's people said, amen.